question answering time on Locked On Syracuse. We asked you at the end of yesterday's episode, send in some questions. We will answer them. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. It's on Locked On Syracuse. And it begins right now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine with you here on Lockdown Syracuse. It is your Tuesday episode. Thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. And today's podcast is brought to you by Upside. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Uh, very excited for today's episode. As I said, we asked... You, the viewer, to send in some questions to our Twitter, our email, put them in the YouTube comments. Today, we will be answering because you guys delivered. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you want to be featured in one of these episodes next time around, email us, Syracuse 44 at gmail.com. That is the digits 44. Uh, that is on the screen for the YouTube viewers. Uh, and also, follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Uh, you can DM us there. You can tweet at us there, reply at us. Uh, we'd love to hear everything you have to say. So please do that. You can also just go ahead uh, and pop, it in, pop, pop your questions in the YouTube comments. Um, yeah. Okay, we've got some good questions. I'd like to start, I think, in the email inbox. How do you feel about that? I'm down with it. Let's do it. Okay, we've got three emails uh, in our inbox, which again, amped about. Thank you guys for doing this. First one is from Fred. <clears throat> Fred says, Hey guys, I enjoy your podcast. It's the best way I have of keeping up with Syracuse football here in Massachusetts. I have a suggestion for the Orange. With Isaiah Jones out for the season, I think they should move Aronde Gadsden back to wide receiver. With his talent, he would quickly become the number one you were looking for a week or two ago. Then to replace him at tight end, I suggest Dan Valari. Coach Babers said they were trying to find a way to get Valari some playing time because he's such a good athlete that would boost the front line by about 30 pounds where they still need some help. Dan is not shy about hitting and would help open holes for Sean Tucker going wide. With his height and weight, he can also catch and deliver some yards after catch. In the only series of downs he played so far at tight end, he was targeted once and caught a pass for 22 yards. Finally, being a quarterback, he could add a few wrinkles to the playbook. That reverse and pass they tried in the first quarter with Allen think resulted in a wounded duck of a throw this was an email before trevor Pena threw a bomb i assume uh that wouldn't happen with valari who picked up the nickname danny dime at michigan even though he didn't see much playing time well thank you for the email fred uh i think my response to this is that they kind of already play gadsden in the slot um and i think their worry about valari is that he just isn't seasoned and they have mang there so why use valari yeah, I see this as a sample size question for me. 
and I would love to have had a large sample size of Valari tight end snaps and be able to see what he can do. Sure, yeah. But I, I do think, right, this was a, a mid-preseason camp to late-preseason camp sort of idea. Once Del Rio Wilson was established as th- sort of the number two and the presumed number two, this was a, a late-in-camp transition. So even though, you know, we saw him once and he, he catches a pass and it's all fun, uh, and there's 100% the benefits of, you know, some trick plays here and there and being able to mix some things up. Uh, it is definitely an incredibly new position for him and something that I'm not sure where he stands on it. And if he was at the point where he should be getting those snaps, I think he would be getting those snaps. Uh, Max Mang, as you were saying, has has stepped into that role uh, and has done a pretty good job. I don't think he's necessarily been a, a huge plus or a minus at this point. I think he is sort of a net zero for me at this. So maybe, you know, that is, you know, a counter argument, I guess, to, to Max Mang and maybe a pro give Valari a little bit more of a shot. I would be curious to see in this Wagner game that we approach this week, you know, that's the figure some things out sort of game that you have this year. Maybe we might see a little more Valari uh, late in that game if things go the way they're supposed to. And then we've got a larger sample size to to think about in terms of the possibilities of him, even if not this year, uh, continuing to expand what he can do uh, next season, because I would assume it's going to have to be a pretty similar role for him. And you would hope that he's able to make some strides in the tight end spot. I think I like the idea of seeing Valari more. Um, like uh, Fred said, he's a big guy. He can hit, he can, he can play tight end. He can catch the football. I'd like to see him on the field more, but I think where I don't like this question or this proposal is that I don't want to move a Ronde. I think yeah. Ronde is just so perfect in that slot position. And I, I, I get that it seems obvious to move him to the, to the wide receiver one, but I think a lot of his success is coming from the fact that he fits so perfectly in the role that he's playing. So I like the idea of Fred, but uh, I want to keep a Ronde where he is. All right, let's move on uh, to another question here. This one from Robert, uh, kind of a similar question. Yeah. Um, we stick with the Ronde. Robert says, yes, Robert says, wish I had Twitter would have been a lot easier to DM you. Anyways, Twitter's free, by the way. Anyways, I play in a college fantasy football league, and I drafted a Ronde Gadsden as a tight end. The whole league and or the whole drafted league is conducted on a Google Sheets. There's no platform we play on. First of all, just want to say that's sick. Yeah, that that's incredible. Awesome. Like that's awesome. Um, he says, but now my fellow league mates and commissioners say he's not a tight end. He's a wide receiver. ESPN says wide receiver. Q's depth chart says tight end. Watching the games, it certainly seems like he's a wide receiver. What is your take on this? If you guys tell me he's a wide receiver in fantasy, I'll concede, and I won't play him at tight end anymore. My argument, I had Kyle Pitts in 2020 COVID year, and I was allowed to play him at tight end. Seems like the same thing here. Thanks for everything you guys do. Huge fan of the show. We're we're a huge fan of you, Robert. We really appreciate you listening and you sending an email in. This one's exciting because we have like a – we get to dictate something. Like our decision here – impacts his his fantasy league um i i'm gonna ask you for your opinion in a second i'll give mine first i think espn says wide receiver syracuse the team that plays him says tight end i don't care what espn says i'm following the depth chart also the point that kyle pitts you you were allowed to use him at tight end there's precedent here 
there's precedent for a guy who's listed as a tight end who played a lot of wide receiver to be played at tight end. I say it stands. Aronde Gadsden is a tight end. Bones, you, you, you hit that perfectly. Those were my exact thoughts. Pitts is the argument. Like, you have nailed the argument. Your case is, is set in stone. If there was no issue with Pitts, there should be no issue with Gadsden. My thought with ESPN as well is that Gadsden was a receiver uh, originally. This is a new role for him. Uh, like, coming into right that week one depth chart, we were like, oh, Gadsden tight end. Interesting. Like, what does that role look like? Uh, so maybe that's just an ESPN is has not updated to – to that depth chart and maybe they're just you know he was in as a receiver to start uh last year originally the idea uh they haven't updated yet i i think you gotta side with the depth chart because you know even though syracuse has had a good year they're still not by any means under the espn microscope right now uh so that is something that just could be a delayed change uh but we have referred to him the entire season as a flex tight end he is a flex tight end and tight in end. that role is you know the word tight end a but b you know yes you're you're lining up in different spots but you are the primary tight end for this team and even though that is a versatile role and mixes things up and sometimes has you you know lining up in the slot sometimes even out wide and mixing that it is a tight end position i think you have a case that is set in stone uh if kyle pitts was to no issue there is no reason that aronde gadsden should be an issue except your league is probably cranky that he is doing well, outstanding was, for you. I'm so going to say it was a galaxy brain move to pick him. Yeah. Do not let them rob you of your genius. Okay, Rob, you are a smart man and maybe they're jealous. Okay. You no. made a great pick and you I... deserve until he's not listed as a tight end by Syracuse university. That man is a tight end. Look, I had the one cheat week. I don't know if it was a year or two, or I think it was two years ago. The one Taysom Hill cheat week where ESPN Fantasy let you start him as a tight end, even though he was starting at quarterback. Uh, I am I am very much on your side here. As long as, you know, that's what the position originally says, uh, I, I am all for flexing okay? a little bit. And this Robert. is this is not even a loophole in that your guy's playing quarterback. This is 100%. You have the winning argument. Uh, you have a guy that is listed as a tight end and plays the tight end spot. Uh, you know, you just, I think your league needs to tip the You're cap, golden. You're golden. Uh, tip the cap right. to you because you, you found a hidden gem, uh, in this draft in the tight end slot. Let's take a quick break. We will continue to answer some questions here on lockdown Syracuse, but first a word from upside from cringing at the pump to getting an eye popping check at your favorite restaurant. Inflation is hitting us all where it hurts and it really hurts. That's why you got to download upside upside in this incredible app for anyone who buys gas groceries or dines out. I'm willing to bet that's you with every purchase you're going to be earning cash back thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app. Use my promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with credit or debit card, and get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. 
Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCK to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. All right, we're back here on Lockdown Syracuse. Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine with you on this wonderful Tuesday. Uh, we heard from... Chime. Sure. Let me get a quick chime in before we move on. Uh, if this is a PPR league, Gadsden is <laughs> averaging just about 17 points per game so far this year. So 17 points a game out of the tight end spot is incredible. So keep this argument wow. going. Do not let it die. You're the man, okay? Ro- or, yeah, it's Robert. You are the man. Uh, we've heard from Robert. We've heard from Fred. Now an email from Andrew. He says, hey, guys. I'm a big fan of the show, and I listen almost every day. Andrew, we are very appreciative. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, He says, I know Wagner Week isn't exactly packed full of content, so I thought now would be a good time to bring up this question. I'm a sophomore at SU, go Orange, and obviously a big sports fan. My question is this. Should the NCAA just admit that it's a professional sports league that happens to represent almost every university in America? Let's be honest. What difference does it make? Uh, in the era of NIL, whether a kid is playing NCAA baseball, baseball or AAA baseball, the hours are similar. The wages of the top earners are similar and the venues are similar. Why not just admit that their athletes aren't amateurs? Treating the NCAA like a minor league makes a lot of sense. Players could have the autonomy of professionals and schools could have the control of franchises. I know this seems like sort of a wacky idea and it has its problems, but I think it could be a good compromise between athletes and schools. Curious to hear your thoughts. Answer, answer. Thank you for the question. We very much appreciate it. Here's where my head goes out immediately. First, not everybody gets paid. Not every single person on the team gets paid. Second, it's kind of weird that where this is where my second, my head went to second. What does this mean? Like, what do you mean they're going to be a triple A team? Like, you're going to add them in to triple A baseball? I, like, I, and also, one, does I, it only go for baseball? Like, what is the story there? No, I think his point was saying that, you know, you could treat it as though, like, so? high-level college baseball, you're not, it's not AAA, but just, I don't, I guess it's hey, everybody a salary you would get drafted. I don't uh, know. I like where Andrew's head's at. He's thinking forward. That's what we love of SU students. But I don't know if this one necessarily flies. I just, I don't see... There are, like he says, there are plenty of problems with it, but I just don't like the the issue I mainly find is that not everybody gets paid. So would you pay everyone a salary? That's where everybody's going to be up in arms. Um, and I don't blame him, but yeah, I don't know about this one. I also, I mean, my, my first thought, unlike yours, um, my first thought was the, I'm looking at non-rev sports. Um, yeah. so outside of you know, football and men's basketball, there's really not profitable sports outside of a couple sporadic instances. Uh, so to take all of these non-rev sports and specifically like your Olympic sports. Uh, so I look at, you know, soccer, volleyball, field hockey, stuff like that. These aren't necessarily sports that have the funding or the money to, to be playing or to be paying your players um, and I don't know how you, you go about that. Like, yes, maybe it makes sense. And I think the, the one it makes the most sense in is, you know, college basketball and college football, because it is the direct pipeline to the NFL and to college basketball or into the NBA for the most part, same with college baseball and that, you know, your, your, your core sports, 
Um, but I, I think outside of that, especially when you sort of lack uh, that pipeline to a professional league where, you know, you are going to be making, you know, big money and that could go for like the WNBA as well. It can get thrown into this league or into that fix. But like outside of that, there's not really the professional aspect where I go in there. I'm all for, you know, the player rights and the player progressive sort of movement that we've sort of seen where they can now make money and have this capability with NIL to bring money in. Um, I think that is a very, you know, good thing for the players to an extent. I'm not a huge fan of some of the things that I've seen, but I think if you get into this professional thing, A, you lose student athlete, which, you know, for what you could argue is a good thing. I don't know. That's not my take, but you could argue it. Um, and then you, you sort of get into this, what is next, right? Is it a base salary? Is there a cap space per sport, per team? Um, now you've got, I don't know, a player making a hundred grand a year per salary from a, you know, a top tier division one football team. Also what happens to like powerhouses compared to group of five schools? You could just offer every single, the schools with money could offer anybody an amount of money. Uh, that a smaller school couldn't. So I, I like where your head's mine. at, Andrew. But uh, I do. I, I do. Flaws. But we appreciate yeah, I, the question. I think it can be reworked, and maybe there's a better option when all is said and done, where you can sort of get in the direction that you're looking for. Because I can sort of see that direction that that you're headed. Uh, maybe there's a better way to get closer to that direction without having to go full on professional uh, yeah. and treating all them right. like you know, minor league teams. Let's move on here. We appreciate the questions from Fred, Robert, and Andrew on the email. If you need that email, once again, LOSyracuse44 at gmail.com. Now we move over to the Twitter at LOSyracuse, or at LO underscore Syracuse, excuse me, on Twitter. Uh, hit us with a follow. We're nearing 2,000, so that's really exciting. Um, we sent out a tweet today who has a question or a topic they want us to discuss. First one is from Tom. Tom says, when we play better teams like NC State, Clemson, and will Anai rely on Schrader's arm, or will they return to giving Tucker 30-plus carries? Offense has been shaky, and Purdue slash Virginia aren't exactly the same caliber as those teams. Um, I think that they – I mean – if Tucker is not going to, if Tucker's going to average 2.9 yards on the ground, they're not going to give it to him 30 times. Um, Schrader's arm has been shaky the last couple of games, hundred percent, but it's winning them games right now. Um, and I would also like to say the NC state game, not so much. I mean, you have a Wagner game to, to deal with things uh, and kind of work things out maybe. So you have to look at that, but also there's a bye week after NC state for them to figure out what they're going to do against Clemson. If I had to guess, they're gonna they're gonna rework the offense at least a little bit. Other way. But, oh, really? Bye week after NC Wagner. State. Yeah. Oh, is it really? Yes. Okay, hold on. I just want to make sure. Um, well, that changes the game. Um, yeah. That's pretty exciting. Cool. Cool. Okay. So that bye week's right before NC State. So they have a ton of time to figure out what they're going to do against those teams. Because if you know, if me and Owen, or excuse me. If uh, Owen and I know that that six game stretch is going to be really tough, guess what? Babers and and I do as well. Uh, And they're going to be in the war room figuring things out. uh, So Syracuse can be ready for those teams. Uh, Am I still 100% confident they'll come out and play really solid offense? No, I'm not. But 
at least they're going to do what they can. I would be shocked if they came out and just ran the same offense against those teams. Yeah, there are adjustments to be made, and I don't necessarily know if I can give like a solidified answer on this because I don't want a solidified answer going into these games. I want you to sort of be able to adjust and do what's right and do what's working and that sort of ordeal. I think it's my cop-out answer, but it was my first thought is to go back to your original, like the original question, it is going to be somewhere in between. You're going to have to do both in order to win these games and to stay competitive in these games. So Tucker is going to get the ball a lot. He is going to get his carries. I don't know if it's going to be 30 carries, um, but you're going to need him to carry the ball well because him carrying the ball well or the threat of him being able to carry the ball and get the ball and be as explosive as we know he can be, even if we haven't necessarily seen those explosive plays outside of a screen pass in week one to him, uh, he has that capability still. And the defense knows that. And these opposing teams know that because of you know how he torched the ACC last year, game after game, just getting to a 100-yard game, 100-yard game, 100-yard game. Uh, so you have to be prepared for that. And in that, I think that allows you to throw the ball more effectively. Um, Even if Schrader has been a little shaky, been overthrowing, decision-making hasn't been flawless by any means, uh, Sean being a presence opens up so much uh, for the passing game. So you're going to have to balance that in order to stay competitive in these games. So I can't say that you're going to only air raid, only throw, and really have to do that. And I can't say that you're going to give Sean the ball 30 times and he's going to have a field day against these teams. It's going to have to be, piece together with a little bit of both uh, in order to be effective in these games and to be competitive and maybe sneak out a win or two in that six game stretch. Next question is from at Carpe beach on Twitter. He says, can Pena be Charlie Jones? Why aren't we getting the ball more to him? He's all about yak yards after catch, get this kid, the ball. He wants to compete this take. I love, do I think I love it? Do I think he can be Charlie Jones? No, I don't think he can be Charlie Jones. But I am willing to argue that Trevor Pena is one of, if not the best player uh, with the ball in his hands in terms of the receiving core. That's excluding Sean Tucker. Uh, that guy moves really well. He's got joystick capabilities. Uh, and I think I think this guy's absolutely right. you got to get this kid the ball because every time he has it, he's shifting. He's moving. He's doing whatever he can to get more yardage. I love seeing the ball in Trevor Pena's hands. Why not get him more invested, uh, more involved in the pass game? I side with you hundred percent on this one. I, I don't think he's Charlie Jones. I don't think he can be Charlie Jones, but I think his role can expand. And when we talk about Isaiah Jones and, and that injury, I think this is a guy that can be in that conversation and deserves to be in that conversation. And I think we're starting to see it a little bit uh in terms of his catches and and his inclusion in the offense uh it's it's starting to happen i i love the the yards after catch is is the huge thing as you say the shiftiness once he gets the ball so there can be plays and there should be plays designed to get him the ball quick and let him use that almost running back shiftiness uh as a receiver right now to to go out, break some tackles, maybe get some space and, and get those chunk yardage gains that you can see uh, from a receiver, because I think he has that ability uh, and it should definitely be continued to be used uh, moving forward. 
Yeah, I mean, remember the uh, Clemson game last year? We saw, like, I think it was a 61-yard touchdown, maybe 62-yard touchdown uh, from Garrett to Trevor. So we know he's got it, and we know he can do it. Uh, All right, next question, and possibly the last one, depending on time here, is uh, what's the deal with attendance? What can Syracuse fans do? Why, Why aren't they not going to games I don't know. This is getting to a point where I think we're beating a dead horse a little bit. I don't know how much you and I can do to get fans to go to games. Uh, But, you know, everybody knows Syracuse is a basketball town. But, I mean, when you have a a football team as good as this one, you expect at least 40,000 fans. Yeah, I I will apologize. I was sick on Friday night and didn't go uh, after I told everyone that I would go. So that's on me. It could have been. Let me get the exact number right. It could have been 334,591. I apologize. It was 34,590. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. Um, we always say, and it's, it's recurring, and you look at you know, what Kansas is doing as well right now. Basketball school, same record, sold out last week against Duke. Uh, it, it was, it's cool to see. Why that's not the case in the Dome right now with Syracuse, I don't know. I am going to give a partial excuse, uh, and I don't want to give this excuse, meaning I'm okay with the fact that there were under 35,000 people at this Virginia game. It was a Friday night game. I know a lot of Central New York football families uh, have some sort of connection with high school football. Uh, So maybe that's a few thousand short, but that's not the difference. I will give your, you know, your high school football families an excuse in and out on Friday night, most likely playing a game, but that is, you know, that's getting you to 37,000, 38,000 maybe. That's not the number that you're looking for. Wagner will not be that answer. Uh, no, I hope Wagner not. stays with a decent crowd, 30 to 35, uh, makes some noise. But the NC State game in three weeks should be sold out. And I, I do mean that, like should genuinely be pushing sold out uh, comparable to last year's Clemson game in terms of crowd. Like that is a game barring the most unforeseen upset possibly ever from Syracuse football or losing to Wagner. It's going to be an undefeated team against a really, really good NC state team. Uh, maybe you don't sell out, but if that crowd is not 44, 45, uh, that's, I would say that's a disappointment. You have to show out because this is a team that, and as you've heard from opposing reporters, opposing coaches, the noise in the dome has made an impact every single game in some capacity. Totally, absolutely. The, the false start counter is up to what, like seven or eight? Something at like this that. point in the dome. Uh, it is making a difference and it is making a difference with 35,000 people there. Throw 10,000 more in there. It's going to be a nightmare for opposing teams. It really is. So go out, tell someone the tickets are cheap, right? You can buy four tickets for probably 50 bucks. Genuinely. Uh, your family of four can go there for 50 bucks. I know, right? Concessions are a little pricey, whatever. Uh, you can make it work. Uh, it should not necessarily be a price thing. The The ticket prices are there. Maybe. Oh, this is bold of us. Can we get there? I'll buy a four pack of tickets for someone. If we get to, either 2,000 Twitter followers wow. or 1,000 YouTube subscribers whenever that gets here. So whenever that game is, Valentine. yes, whenever that threshold hits, 
I will buy a four pack of tickets. And I prefer the YouTube subscribers. I would prefer the YouTube subscribers as well. So if let's we get say to that thousand on YouTube. I will buy a four pack of tickets for someone. We'll that. do a contest of sorts, uh, and I'll give it out. We'll mail them over to you or send them over by email. That is that is my take for today. Love that from Owen Valentine. All right. Well, with that, uh, we bid you adieu. Thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. Go get more on the ACC by making Lockdown ACC your second listen every day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Lockdown take you across the ACC in 30 minutes. Lockdown ACC, make it your second listen. Uh, I'm Matt Bonaparte. He's Owen Valentine. We'll see you tomorrow.